0: I'm super excited about today because as many of you know, we've been walking through a series on how to have triumph over temptation, to have life with a few regrets and greater rewards, right? Because we've all in our lives understood that there are moments in our lives that if we could look back, we would go, man, if I could only make a different decision there, my life would be at a completely different place. I would have so much less pain, so many more rewards. And so the heartbeat in this series is to empower us with this ability that we face these moments that can redirect our life or produce a consequence, that we can make the right decision, that we can live and have victory and triumph over the temptations that take so many of us out. So today, why I'm super pumped about is because today we're gonna look at one of the greatest powers that temptation has over us. We're gonna look at why it is that temptation is so effective. What is this one thing about temptation that makes so many of us give in? And the heartbeat is, is to give you the power to um, overcome that and take away that power of temptation. Because one of the greatest deceits that temptation gives us, one of the greatest deceits that makes temptation so effective, that produces so many regrets in our life, is its ability to do this. And this is what I want you to think about when it comes to temptation. And here it is, ready? Is that sin always has an immediate reward and a long-term consequence. So once again, we're talking about the temptation to do what is not the right thing to do. And what you need to understand that the power that temptation has, like one of its greatest strengths and greatest, most effective things it has on you is simply this, it's the immediate reward. It's that in the moment, It feels good in the moment you actually want it. In the moment, your life will be better, probably for at least a few moments, right? Because there's always a reward connected to temptation. If there wasn't a reward, it wouldn't be temptation, correct? Like, if you don't want to do it, you're not even tempted. So the very idea of this is to understand this, that one of the greatest powers temptation has over you is the immediate reward, listen to this, and its ability to not let us see the long-term consequence. Like what happens, what I want you to see is in the moment of temptation, we get so focused in on the moment, the fulfillment, the desire. I want this. I need to say this. I need this. That we look and we get narrow-minded into the moment of pleasure, and we don't understand that beyond the pleasure actually is pain, beyond the reward is actually a result, that there's something more going on than that moment. And so one of the greatest ways to empower ourselves over temptation is to get this wisdom and supernatural ability to be able to look not at the moment of temptation alone by itself, but also see where it might lead. Let let me give you um, a perfect example of this. Uh, I hold in my hand a piece of pumpkin cheesecake. And if it looks like there's a bite missing, it's because behind stage I was just eating it and got caught by the people going, they're seeing me eat this, right? So now, how many of you like cheesecake, by the way? Anybody? Yeah, cheesecake's pretty amazing and the pumpkin cheesecake with whipped cream and caramel and uh, all this other stuff is pretty good right so 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 there's a whole restaurant called the cheesecake what factory yes you guys all know it right and so imagine for your moment this represents the temptation and they are good at tempting us are they not what do you have to walk by in the cheesecake factory to go eat your salad Yeah, and they light it up, don't they? It's like lit up, it glows, it's like a piece of heaven. Every color, every flavor, everything that you shouldn't want, you want. And you have to walk right by it, see it when you're hungry, you haven't eaten. There's a waiting line to get there, and you walk by what? Cheesecake. Now, here's why I say this. Because after the dinner, when you've eaten your dinner, and then the waiter or waitress comes up to you and then shows you the book of all the other cheesecakes you didn't see, and now there's like 200 options for you, and they ask the question, do you want cheesecake? And then you obviously don't want to offend the waiter or waitress, so you order the cheesecake, and then you begin to eat the cheesecake. Here's what I want you to see. If all I see is the pumpkin cheesecake and whipped cream. If this is all I see, it's very hard to resist it, isn't it? Because you smell it, you taste it, you're sitting there with friends, and you think to yourself, you know what, I had a salad with yeah, bacon on it and lots of dressing, but you know what, it was a salad. There was something green on my dish, so I deserve this, right? Or, oh, I've had a tough week at work, or it's winter, I'm not wearing a bathing suit anyways for a few months, so it doesn't matter. Whatever your reasoning is, when you're in front of the temptation and all you see is the cheesecake, it's hard to say no, which is why many of us have given in to the Cheesecake Factory and they invented a whole entire you know, restaurant around the fact they know what works. Now, here's what I want you to see. So part of the power of temptation is to looking only at the reward, not the result, right? But what if I were to tell you that if I wanted to eat this cheesecake and I wanna eat this cheesecake and I probably will eat this cheesecake, but I want to eat this cheesecake... But what if I were to tell you that if I'm eating this cheesecake, that in order to just take the calories off from this cheesecake, in other words, I'm not not getting ahead, I'm not losing weight, I'm just maintaining, that for this cheesecake, I have to walk at 3 miles an hour for 5.7 hours. 17 miles. Listen to this. Not to lose weight, just to pay for this. Now think about this here's what you see so you're not just seeing the reward you're seeing the result and here you are thinking to yourself that is every single bite a half a mile and florida humidity and mosquitoes and old people from new york that can't see over the steering wheel could kill me at any moment and 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 and, and if you see that here's what happens here's what i want you to see please hear me on this in all seriousness right if all i see is this i'm probably going to give in but if I can once again look beyond this moment, and I can go, yeah, but here's the cost. Here's not just the reward, here's the, here's the result. It's not just the pleasure, here's the pain. that I have to see myself walking 5.7 hours at three miles an hour in the humidity, sweating all that time for 15 minutes of pleasure. All of a sudden, what do we go? Yeah, I want it, but listen to this but I don't want it that bad. It's easier to eat less or not eat at all. It's easier to say no to the temptation when you have the ability to not simply see the moment, but see beyond. Here's why I say this. It's the same thing with sin is the power of sin and the power of temptation will always be doing what you feel in the moment and will always shift your focus to fulfilling that need, fulfilling that lust, getting that anger out, getting your way, whatever it is, being right, the selfishness, the greed. It's always the immediate that gives its power. But when you are able to look beyond the result, or excuse me, the reward of the result, when you're able to look beyond the pleasure, the pain, and see it, it gives you power over temptation. In fact, here's what I want you to understand about, about sin, and that's this, is that sin becomes far less tempting when we see beyond the reward it gives you. There's always a reward, right? But beyond the reward it gives you in the short run to what it will cost you in the long run. Run. I can't tell you the number of people that I have sat with through many years who are looking back, and go, in the moment it felt good, it's what I wanted. And now for years and decades, I am paying the result. I am paying the price for that pleasure. And it has far outweighed and far outlasted the temporary pleasure of that temptation. I'm gonna tell you something. When you're able to see beyond the moment. It gives you power, and it takes away the power of temptation uh, uh, so much when you can see beyond the moment to what it is. Because here's why. Because sin gives birth to a result, not just a reward. And what I want to show you today... Is to give you two results of our decision to go, God, I know what you said to do, but I don't want to do what you want to do. I want to do what I want to do. And what I want you to begin to do is to look beyond just the moment of grabbing, you know, that decision or the choice. And I want you to look at two results from those decisions to sin and choose our way over God's way. Now, why am I doing this? Because the heartbeat is simple, is I want to empower you with all of the wisdom and strength that you need, all the truth that you need. So when you You look face-to-face with, might take someone else's out, might take someone else's life off course. You have the supernatural ability to look beyond the moment and see where it would lead so you have the strength to no longer make that decision and not have that regret. Amen? Okay, so here's what I want to do. I want to help you see two things, and my heart is this. These are two things that I often think about. These are two things that, when I'm in the middle of struggling, these are things that help me, and I just hope they help you because these are two things that happen that we don't often see. Because the reality of temptation is it gets us so focused. It isn't always easy to see the the 5.7 hours, it isn't always easy to see the 17 miles. It is so hard to look beyond. And so, what I want to do is so put this in our minds that when you're in that struggle, and I don't want to do, God, what you want me to do. You remember these two things, and they go, okay, God, I want to do what you want to do. And that temptation, even though it's tempting, it's not too tempting, because it's not worth the cost. Here's the first thing that I want you to understand about giving into sin and what it does to our lives, and that's this, is that sin, sin transfers the control of your future. Now, remember, the heart of this Today is to be able to look beyond. It's not just about the moment. It's not just about the lust. It's not just about the words. It's not just about the moment. It's looking beyond the moment and go, what is the result? And here's what I want you to see. A lot of things <clears throat> Things that we don't understand is that we fail to see the fact that there is a result to that choice that's far beyond that moment, that actually has a far bigger influence than that little compromise than we often see. So we're gonna do that. Let me help you understand something uh, about God. Let me help you understand something about your heavenly Father, which I think is so, so encouraging. And I'm gonna give you this information once again because I want you to see something that we don't often see in the momentary struggles of our lives. And here's what it is. It says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, In view of God's mercy, understand this. He goes, hey, now that you know who God is, like he died for you, he loves you, he's all-knowing, he's all-wise, he's got these plans for you. Like now that you trust the character of God, I want you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship. And so uh, the imagery is simple. Hey, God is trustworthy. He's all-knowing, he's all-wise, he's all-loving. It's all powerful, okay? So because you know who God is, he goes, the imagery is like you would take an offering. What do you do? You take your tithe, you bring it into the storehouse, you release control, it's no longer mine. God, I'm releasing it to you. He goes, but i not, not talking about money here. I'm talking about your life. And so I want you to do is, I want you to live life in a way where you go, God, I'm gonna surrender in obedience to your will. It's not my will, it's not what I want, it's what you want. So I'm gonna surrender in obedience to your will, and I'm gonna be like an offering, not just a check I write, but the life I live because God, I trust you. So understand the principle. What's he talking about? When we obey and surrender in God's obedience, notice the promise that God gives every one of us. This is such a powerful, encouraging, life giving promise to hold on to, especially in moments that are a struggle. Um, You can, I don't know what just happened. There we go. Here we go. Do not conform. Here's the last second part of this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Okay, so in other words, um, you're doing the right thing, not not, not the wrong thing. So don't, don't conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So don't conform. Don't give in to temptation. Do what you shouldn't do. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here's the promise I want us to hold on to. Then, in other words, if you surrender and obey... Right? You you don't give in to the disobedience, right? If you try to obey, then what happens? Here's what happens: you will be able to test and approve. Means you'll be able to experience what will you experience, what God's will is for your life. Do you know that God has a plan and a purpose for every one of your lives? And, and here's what it is: it's good, it's pleasing, and it is perfect. So hear this heart, because this is so important to understand. What is God saying? And I want you to get this, right? This is, to me, this is one of the most just powerful, power verses. It's so encouraging because here's what God's saying to you Hey, w- when you take your life, your, your marriage, your finances, your relationship, your decisions, and you owe oh God not my will, but your will, and you surrender in obedience, here's what God says, then I'm going to take responsibility for your future. Like, I I got your business in my hands. I got your children in my hands. I'll take that marriage. I'll put it in my hand. Like, you surrender to me, and the promise that we hold into is not that we'll have no problems, by the way. That's not what the Bible says, right? It's just that as we even go through the struggles of life, the ups and downs, that God is actually taking control, right? That's the key. He's taking control of your future and says, I own it. I am responsible for your future, your business, your life, your children, your marriage, as long as what? What's the key? If, if you will do these things, right, if you don't do this, then you will be able to test and approve at God's will. So understand this. So surrendered obedience to God, not giving into temptation, doing what God's called you to do, even when you don't want to do it. The reward comes into it. God says, that I'll take control of your future. And the God that controls heaven's armies, the God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the God that can change the hearts of man, the God that can breathe favor into your life, he says, I will take your life, and I will take responsibility for your future. And where I will lead you is good, pleasing, and perfect. But that is the result of what? It's obedience. you got to hear this. He says, if you will surrender your bodies as living sacrifices— and I promise you, where I will lead you is here. Now, here's why I say this, right? Because what is temptation? Temptation is us stepping out of the offering, going, God, no, 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 not your will, but now it's my will. I want you to understand what God says happens when we go, God, I'm going to do things my way instead of your ways. And as once again, look beyond the moment, want to see the result, not just the temporary pleasure, but what actually takes place. Look at the scripture. God's word says, "Don't you realize what does He mean by that?" A lot of people don't understand this. This is something we miss. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? So who's your master? Well, God says, whoever you are choosing to surrender to in this moment, giving in a temptation, God or yourself, is actually the one leading your life. Look at this. He goes, for you can be a slave to sin. Like sin will master you which will lead to death. See, it's not just the reward, it's the result. Or you can choose to obey God. See, the principle, not give in to temptation, which leads to righteous living. Now, this is so powerful. Because here's what God says, I want you to understand something. That the master of your life is not who you believe in. It's who you obey. That God is saying, I'll be your savior, absolutely, right? Because we're saved through faith. You're gonna get to heaven. God will love you unconditionally. But if you want him to take responsibility for your life, if you want him to grab your life and take you to where he has called you to be, this good, pleasing, perfect will, he says, I'm gonna tell you something. I may not, I may be your Lord, but I'm not your master. Because what's happening is you're not surrendering to me. And the master is who you obey. And what you need to understand is there are two different courses of life. Two different results, right? That someone is leading your life. It's either me or that. And what we need to understand is that what happens in this sin What happens when we choose to go, God, not your way, but my way, is what is happening is we're transferring control from a God saying, hey, surrender to me, I'll lead you to my good and pleasing perfect will, to, hey, God, I don't want to, I want to do what I want to do, not what you want to do. It's not just about the moment, listen to this, it means that God's saying, well, then I can't take responsibility for your life if you won't surrender it to me like the statement we read in the beginning was if you will do this I will do that it wasn't hey you do whatever you want don't consult me you, you live your life your way and I'll still take you there that's not the promise of God in fact it's the opposite he goes let me tell you who is your master let me tell you who's leading your life it's whoever you obey Now, you can choose God, which he hopes because he's your dad, or you can choose yourself or the enemy. But at the end of the day, it is the choice to obey or not to obey that will determine who is leading the direction of your life. It is not simply about the moment of sin or getting caught. It is about who then is taking control of the destination of your life. Now let me, me, the perfect example of this is is a man named King David. Now many of you have heard of King David, David and Goliath, right? you probably heard of that even if you have, you don't know a lot about church if you're new. But King David was this um, incredible man. In fact, God actually said he's a man after my own heart. And God chose him. In fact, even his own father didn't believe in him, but God chose him and says, I'm gonna make him a king. And King David had, once again, surrendered to God. If you look, he was a character man. He did the right thing, even when no one was watching. And you see God step up and grab his hand, give him victory over Goliath, right? Give him victory over Goliath. He then, once again, even though the king came after him and betrayed him, even though an army chased him, he had to go through battles, right? I'm not saying life is always easy but the entire time God's got his hand protecting its enemies he's leading him to the path that God had for him and at the end of the day even though an entire kingdom went after him a giant went after him his father rejected him his brothers rejected him everything in the world went against him but nothing could stop or thwart the will of God in his life and so God does what he promises to do Jesus excuse me David set himself in that offering here I am God take my life and God led him exactly where God had called him to be and he became the king of Israel. And God took all of his enemies, and he defeated them and put them at his feet. Now, why do I say this? Because there's a moment in David's life where where David chooses to, if you will, give in to temptation. But what I want you to see about this is what's not just about the moment of sin. I want you to see how the control that David became mastered by this decision and it all, it transferred the control that no longer is God necessarily the one taking him on the path that God originally planned, but that this decision David made actually altered the direction of David's life because David found himself one night sitting on a castle and as he was looking out at his, at his castle, he saw a woman named Bathsheba bathing. And here's that moment. What is that? That's temptation. Right? So here is David. David knows, hey, this is another man's wife. This is not an honoring or a right thing to do. Jesus even said it. That says that um, if you've looked at a woman lustily, you've committed adultery in her heart. That's not the way we're designed to treat people and, and objectify them. And so there's David. Here's what I want you to see. It is so easy to get in the moment and go, what's the big deal? Boys will be boys. right, like, like, hey, no one's watching. I mean, all I'm doing is with my eyes and my mind thinking, all I'm doing, it seems like such a small compromise, and it just seems like a little thing, like, okay, David gets caught, what's the big deal? It's a little act of lust. Here's what I want you to see. What did God say to us? That your master is who you obey. That the person you surrender, the the thing you surrender to, will actually begin to lead and direct your life. So what happens with King David? Well, after this season of doing it, it wasn't just one time, most scholars believe. This season, he keeps giving in, keeps giving in. Guess what happens? This decision that seems so small didn't stay on a rooftop. It began to lead and direct his life. And the next thing you know, he calls, hey, I want Bathsheba to come over. And then this good man ends up having an affair. And you see the pattern, right? So the direction is changing. And now he's got to cover up this affair. He never repents of this sin by the way and I do believe there's opportunities throughout our life when we mess up to once again give control back to God but David doesn't do that he keeps going down the path and going down the path and then he says he calls the the leader of the army and says everybody retreat and leave him in the front of the army so he'll be killed to, in essence cover up his sin here's what I want you to see that the life of David shifted course in that decision, in that season of his life, to go, God, I'm gonna do things my way, not your way. And I won't notice what God says to him. He sends a prophet to confront this behavior because David never repents. And here's what God speaks to David. And I want you to see this. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed, David? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites, and you have stolen his wife. Okay, once again, the reward, the moment of lust, the result... From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. David, I'll forgive you, and we, you read on. God does. David, I love you, absolutely. But I want you to understand something. That moment... That moment on that rooftop, it wasn't just about lust. It wasn't about, Is that moment you took the control that I had in your life away from me and you took it into your own hands. And now what's happened, it has altered your life, and how you lived. Listen to this. I want you to hear what God says to him next because this is so powerful. I want you to hear the heart of your heavenly father. I know this is heavy. I know this isn't fun, but I just want you to hear the heart of your father because notice what God, who loves David so immensely, says to him because I really truly believe this is God's heart to us. By the way, every parent knows this. If you have a child and you see him drifting down a path and you want him to get right, you have the same heart. Listen to what God says to King David. He goes this. Listen to what he says. He says this. He says, I anointed you king of Israel and I saved you from the power of Saul, right? What am I doing? I led your life. I was in control. And no matter who came at you, I gave you victory, David. No matter how hard or how many valleys and seasons of difficulties you were there, I was always there. And I always turned what was intended to evil and I turned it to good. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. I gave you everything. I took your enemies and I put them at your feet. And notice what he says next. And if that had not been enough, do you hear the heart of God? If that had not been enough, I would have given you so much, much more. Do you see the heart of God? David, I love you. I'm your dad. I, I had this plan for your life. And, and I would have, like if you would have only known where I was gonna take you, if you'd only known, I would, have, I would have done so much more. But David, you pushed me out of the control of, my, of your life. You, 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 you took, I, I was leading you, and you, you chose not to have me do that any longer in my life. And I just, I, just, I just want you to know what I wanted to do in your life. I wanted to protect you from that pain. I didn't want you to deal with, with this new path. I was sitting there probably screaming in your ear, don't do it. In fact, in the story, God actually says someone to go to David and begin to tell him, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Are you sure you should be doing this? He ignored the counsel in his life. God was what? God was trying to protect him. Because see, what we don't understand and we don't often see in the moment is you find yourself in this little moment. You think to yourself, it's just lust of the eyes. It's just my mind thinking about this. It's just a friendship it will never go here. And we, we so live it in the moment. We don't realize in that moment we're saying, God, I'm not going to do what honors you. I'm going to do that. It isn't just about that lust in the moment. It's about the surrender and the transfer of the will of God, the good, pleasing will of your life, out of God's hands, into your own, or even the enemy's, and all of a sudden, your life begins to change course. And I'm wondering if David would have been there in that moment, and there he sees Bathsheba, and imagine for a moment, if he could have fast-forward like the cheesecake, and he could have seen not just the reward, but the result. And if he could have seen his household be destroyed, if he could have been at his son's funeral, if he could have seen his own children rebel against him because, once again, he lacked the character at that point to lead them. If he could have seen the things that took place in his life, I'm telling you something right now. If David could have seen the result, not just the reward, he would have looked at Bathsheba. I don't care what she looked like. He'd have been like, it ain't worth it. And this not this and this. This is what I want us to understand. And I know this is heavy, and I, I want to also clarify this because God also redeems people. Like, like, like I want you to understand, Like, we, we hear stories all the time in our church of people who made that bad decision and yeah, there's been consequences, I get that, but God can redeem and I'm not saying that. But even in that redemption, listen to this, there is pain that comes with those choices. We let someone in first service get baptized and he shared that story and, and about how he lost his whole family and his wife and his children. He's weeping in that tub. And there's part of me just rejoicing, going, thank you, he came home to you, God. And God, you're gonna restore him, that's awesome. But that family may be dealing with that pain for the rest of their life. And it was just, just like a knife in my heart as I was watching this both celebration and this tragedy of this choice where that moment this man goes, God, I don't, wanna, I don't want you to lead my life, I'm gonna lead it. And I want us to understand this that there's more to your choice than the moment. It's, it's not just about you know whether I forgive or not to forgive because they don't deserve it. It's about saying, you know what? I'm surrendering that control because God, what I'm saying really in that, and I would never say it aloud, but my actions are saying is, I'm gonna obey what I feel over what you say. What God is saying in that moment is, well, then that becomes your master. You've chosen to push me. I'm not gonna force my will upon you. I'm not gonna force myself upon you. I'm gonna let you choose it. And if you choose it, I, I'm excited. I'm gonna lead you to my good, pleasing, perfect will. And if you mess up and you are and come back to me, I'll give you grace. But if you choose in this moment not to follow me, understand something, God will not take responsibility with what we have not entrusted him. When you don't honor your marriage the way that God's called you to marriage and then you don't expect him to lead your marriage where it needs to be. If God knocks on your heart and says, I want you to bring, tithe into the church and bring that 10% of my storehouse and you God, I'm not gonna do it your way. I, I'd rather do things my way. I'd rather control where that goes instead of maybe, you know, you're in your house controlling where it goes. God's like, hey, I still love you. Listen to that. But I, but don't expect me to be the one leading your business then. Don't expect me to be leading your fine. Why? Because you're not entrusting me to it. You see the principle? And what Paul's saying is, hey, you may not be aware of this, but just understand a principle. Your master is not who you believe in. It's who you obey. And there's more at stake in the moment. Here's my heart. I just hope that when you step into this thing and you're in the heat of it and you're with your girlfriend or you're, with, you're, you're ready to say these things or you're looking at your life or whatever it might be, as you look at those moments, you begin to just tell yourself, listen, sin gives birth to a result, not just a reward. That this is not just about the moment. This is about me taking the creator of the universe and all of having armies, a God who loves us unconditionally, who's all-knowing and all-powerful and saying, hey, not your way but my way. I I will lead my life, not you. And the saddest part is that God gives us that choice. And my heart is that we begin to see and take some of the power of temptation away by looking beyond the moment, and going more than that, and begin to look into the fact that, wait a minute, There's more at stake than, it's not just lust of the eyes. It's the direction of my life. It is the control of my life. And I wanna make sure that God, the God that loves me, the God that cares for me is in control and leading my life. And here's my heart. I I know this is heavy. but, But my heartbeat is, not that people look at life and go, I messed up and I can never get right. But this idea that we just begin to understand it. Because there's just been too many times where I've sat across people and had conversations with people, and they have not done this, they didn't understand, they didn't fear the Lord, they didn't understand what was at stake, and then they drifted in, because you know what, no one wants to talk about these things, you can see, I can feel it right now, silence, (laughs) right, no one's like, oh, this is amazing, I love this, this is great, I'm gonna stay for a second service, (laughs) but listen to this, it may not be what you want to hear, but it is something we need to hear, and sometimes my job as a pastor, even if it isn't fun, <laughs> is, to, is to warn you and to give you the truth that you need, because I would so much rather you not enjoy a 40-minute message, but then go through your life and make good decisions and not have those regrets. And so sometimes it requires us having some heavy conversations, because there's too many of us that a year from now and two years from now aren't going to have, no one's willing to have these hard talks with you, and no one's willing to go here with you because it's not fun, and then you don't even realize it, and you don't make those connections, and you have these little compromises. You see, David lost his life and his family, not by killing Uriah, not by the affair. It started on top of a castle and what he looked at. It was a little compromise where he couldn't see beyond the moment where it was leading. He lost the control of his life and it went there. And so my heart is, is that we can learn from this so that we get in those moments to go, no, 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 I see the enemy's tactics. I don't wanna to listen to God, but I, don't want to, I want him controlling my life, so I'm gonna make the good decision, amen? All right, so the first thing that we have to understand is is that what's at stake in the moment, right? But the cheese, not just the food tasting good, it's the 5.7 hours, right? It's not just the, the moment of sin, it is literally the control. We're transferring control out of our Father into our own hands. So if that is you and you've messed up, transfer control back by surrendering to him. Here's the second thing that I want us to understand, and that is this. Sin weakens the power of God in you. So understand what are we doing? Okay, I know we're not having fun, but what are we doing? Right? What we're doing is trying to help you understand so you're in that moment, you realize it's not just about what I do with my girlfriend. It's not just about whether I say those words and don't say I'm sorry. It's not just about how I treat my spouse or the business deal, right? That there is something going beyond this that we often fail to see so that we can have the power to go, it's not worth it. And one of the things that I want you to understand is is that sin doesn't remove the presence of God, right? Because God's presence will never leave you will never forsake you. But I do want you to see it has an incredible impact, listen to this, on the power of God of God in your life. Now, how do I, let me explain this so you understand this. So, um, to understand how God designed us to flourish in this life God who loves you right, he's your father, he died for you. He understood that life with all this temptation and all of the issues that we deal with, that there was no way on our own strength by trying to be good, we could be good enough. In fact, the nation of Israel did this. God gave them all these laws and this wisdom, no one could get it right. And so God in his brilliance and his love goes, I'm gonna come up with a plan to help Christians, my children, begin to walk with greater power, greater success in the life they live and the person they become. And the way he's going to do this, I want you to hear this, centers around God's spirit. In fact, look at what God told us hundreds of years before Jesus. I'm gonna give you a new heart and I'm gonna put a new spirit in you. Here's how I'm gonna solve and help you. I'll remove from you the heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. Here's the promise. Listen to this. And I will put my, what's that word? I'm God's like, I'm gonna put my spirit in you and move you or empower you to what? To follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. In other words, God says, how I'm going to do this is this. It's not about you trying harder. I'm going to have you surrender more. I'm going to put my power in you, my spirit. You have a spirit. When you die, your body stays here, your spirit goes. God also has a spirit. And so what you look at when you look at the Bible, when Jesus died, you see over and over again, it talks about people gave their life to Jesus and the spirit of God moved in them. And these disciples that were once afraid walked and boldness and power, and they did all these things, and the world was being changed and transformed because the presence and the power of God was empowering people to not just be natural, but supernatural, not just rely on your own power, but have God's power in presence. So, this is so crucial to understand if you're walking with Jesus that God said, This is my plan to empower you. And it centers around God's spirit in you. Now, what does that actually do? What does it look like? Well, the Bible calls us the fruit of the spirit. Look what it says. The fruit or the result of God in you, this is awesome, right, is God's love. Like, you don't just love human love. It's a supernatural ability to love. His joy, like how awesome that? You have greater joy. His peace, the Bible says, surpasses all understanding. It's bigger than circumstances. His forbearance or patience. His kindness His goodness moves in you. His faithfulness, gentleness, and I love the last one. It's self-control. What is that? It's the power to look something in the eye that you're gonna regret and not do it. It means that nothing can overpower you, that you've been given the self-control or the power to overcome everything. Now, this is so amazing. Like, uh, like I want you to just envision how awesome your heavenly father is, where he goes, they can't do it on their own, so I'll move my spirit in you, I'm gonna put my joy and my peace and my love and my self-control so you can walk with authority over the enemy. You can walk with the power to overcome whatever generational thing you're dealing with. You can walk with the forgiveness and the grace that you need to be in any type of relationship with another broken person, right? I'm going to give you the supernatural power inside of you, and all of this centers around what? God's spirit, God's power in you. Now, how in the world does sin, listen to this, how does sin affect the power of God? I want you to look at this verse. I want you to look at this verse. Because the next time you're sitting there going, hey, I want to do that, I want to do that. I know God will forgive me. He will forgive you. I know God still, so, he He'll so still love you. But I want you to understand the result, not just the reward. Here's the, not just the physical consequence of sin. I want you to see what happens spiritually. Notice what the scripture says do not quench, which means like put out the fire, what? The what? I mean, the same spirit that God put in you to give you power, peace, love, joy, strength, self control, and authority. What is he saying? And I want you to hear this. So there's this God in you, his spirit dwelling in you, where Bible tells us he actually leads us and teaches us things. And so he's walking in that moment. Imagine David on the castle looking, going, hey, David, don't do that. <laughs> he's there with you in that moment saying, hey, honor God with your body. Hey, be generous. Hey, you were wrong. Acknowledge you're wrong. Don't the sun go down in your anger. Hey, seek first God's kingdom. Right? So, so he is there guiding and leading you. And here's what God's saying. But when we choose to not listen to that voice that God's given us, do what we want over what God's wants, what we don't understand is we actually quench, we put out the power of God in our lives. Listen to this, not his presence. The Bible's clear. He never leaves you. He will never forsake you. You are the temple of God. Even when you mess up, his presence does not leave you, but listen to this, but his power greatly dwindles. Have you ever noticed in your own life? Think about this. The first time you did something, you felt really bad. But after a while, what used to be like awful becomes, well, now you don't feel so bad. In fact, now, not only do you not feel so bad, you can't stop doing it. Why? What's happening? Well, you've weakened, you've quieted that voice of God in you. You've weakened the power of God on you. You've strengthened the flesh in you. And now, once again, it's become what? Your master. Because your master is who you obey, not who you believe. So once again, there is a spirit. Spiritual thing that happens when we sin. Even though God forgives us, even though He loves us, there is still the weakening or the quenching of the Spirit of God. In fact, listen to this. There there are times in my life where this becomes, this verse becomes so powerful to me because I find myself in moments when when I don't want to do what God wants me to do. And I find myself in moments like you where I want to do what God doesn't want me to do, because I'm human right? Some you are like, what kind of evil sin does this guy deal with? See, that, that's the problem. See, most of us only think about like what David did, like an affair or stealing money or murder. But, but let me tell you where my struggles often lie. It, it might be going, hey, I'm in a fight with my wife and I should say, I'm sorry, but I don't want to. That's still what? Disobedience, isn't it? God knocks my heart. and wants you to do it. Not, not my way, not your way. Right? Sometimes for me, I, I found in my life, it's I get really, really busy and I got a lot of plates spinning in my life and I'm like, at got that now where I'm just worn out. It's been a crazy good season, but just been like, it's just morning to night and I can just feel it in my body. Like some I'm, I'm just tired. And so what can happen is in those busy seasons, I can neglect being filled with the spirit, what God said. I, I can neglect reading God's word. And so in that busyness, listen to this, I don't seek God's kingdom maybe first and I'm doing all these other things. And what is that? It's still not obeying God. Is that principle, like, see, I'm still weakening the Spirit and strengthening the flesh. It could be what you watch. It could be, you know, just different things. And so my, pro- my point is that so often we, we think, well, this isn't really effective for us because I don't really struggle with the big things. Well, listen, disobedience is disobedience. And letting the sun go down on your anger is just as much quenching the Holy Spirit as what David did with lust of the eyes. It's still the decision that we make. Now, there are different consequences for different sin, but there is still the same decision. But here's what I' found, and I want you to, this is what I want you to see. See what I've found in my life is this: When I'm in a season where there's an area of my life, I'm not surrendering to God, you know what I find? I find myself, um, well, I find myself lacking peace. I find myself just a little more anxious. I, I find myself going through life, and instead of like, God, you got future, I'm like, man, what, what about this? What about that? What about that? And I'm not sleeping as well. W- why? Well what's the fruit of the spirit? It's peace. What have I done? I've weakened the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I'm not listening or surrendering to the Holy Spirit. And so, because I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit, what's happening? My spirit's getting weaker, my flesh is getting so what am I? I have less peace and I've got more anxiety, right? How about patience? And I have those moments, and it's like maybe you ever had those moments where you feel like you're surrounded by idiots? Because you're actually surrounded by idiots. But um, you have this moment, right? And somebody cuts you off in traffic and you're screaming. And you're like, what did I just do? Sorry, kids, you shouldn't say that. Don't tell dad I said that. You know, or whatever that is. Or you find yourself with your kids and it's not, you know, they're, they're messing up because they always mess up. But instead of like being patient with them, you're having to say sorry over again and again. And you're just like on edge. Well, what, what, what happens is what is the fruit of the Spirit? It's patience. Which means what? Which means if I quench the Spirit... I've got less patience in my life. See, see the principle? See, it's not, it's not, it's like even generosity. And you go, okay, when it comes to generosity, Jesus actually says something interesting. He goes, your, tre- your heart's gonna follow your treasure. Like, it's not just about the money thing. What it's about is actually your heart, which is another name for your soul, your spirit. It, it matters. It will actually follow. And so you're like, hey God, I don't feel this heart for you in these things. Or, or maybe for you, it's the, it's the, um, it's the ability to, to love. Or maybe it's joy. You ever find yourself in life? See, I found myself in these moments when I'm like not really, uh, I mean, there's an area that's not surrendered in my life. What I've discovered is, I've, I've discovered i become more self-centered. That life becomes more about me, is the reality. And, and why? Because God goes, this is who I am naturally, who we are. So I know that the only way to transform you is I'm gonna move my spirit in you to give you the power to experience all these things. And so what I have had to learn and understand that when I'm in that moment, I don't wanna say I'm sorry, or I don't wanna you know, spend that time in God's word. I don't wanna be filled with the spirit, whatever it is. What I have to tell myself is it's not just about the moment. It's about lessening God's power in my life. And I can't tell you the times of my life where I go, God, I don't wanna do what you want me to do, but I need you. And I don't want my prayers to be hindered. as I pray for my family. God, I need all the power I can get. I, I don't want to become that man. I, 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 I hate the person that I'm, I feel like I'm becoming on the inside. I don't want to be that God. And so you know what? That sin isn't worth it. And my heart for you to understand is there's more than a, spirit, a physical consequence. There's a spiritual consequence. We have areas of our lives that we won't surrender to the Holy Spirit. We weaken God's spirit. We strengthen our flesh, and then once again, we end up making decisions that lead to regrets. So understand this, right? Sin weakens the power of God in you, and sin transfers the control of your future. And my heart is, as we walk into these moments, we don't just see the cheesecake. <laughs> We see the 5.7 hours, we see the 17 miles. My heart is, we don't just see, hey, I hope I don't get caught. We go, oh, wait a minute, I'm gonna have less of the Holy Spirit's power in me. I need that power. Hey, it's not just about that decision. It's about I'm shifting control out of the hand of this all power of all loving God into out, out of that, I, I, I don't want that. So here's what I'm gonna do. It, it's, I'm gonna see beyond the immediate to the long-term result. Now, I wanna close with this is because my heart as we walk through this and I know once again this is heavy this is not always fun but I want to remind you in many ways of one thing is I not how many times you mess up I'm not saying there will be consequences but there, you can always run back to God like look at the prodigal son's story he, he, he read it Luke 15 just read it because my heart is that you begin to see no matter what this guy did there were consequences for what he did he lost inheritance but he never lost his father's love and his father restored him into his family and he still feasted again and there is hope for your future even if you've made those decisions but just understand that sometimes there'll be some consequences along that way back but i wanted to end this with a more positive thing and here's what i wanted you to understand at the end and here's what i want you to see it's not all negative like sin weakens the power of god sin transfers the control of your future but here's what i want you to see the opposite is also true obedience See, obedience strengthens the power of God in you and weakens the flesh. See the reverse? Like I want you, So when you're in the moment, it's not just, oh man, if I do it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose the power of God. Yeah, but if you do the right thing, you're going to get more of the power of God in your life. Your spirit's going to have greater power and greater authority and greater control. And then that temptation won't have that same power over your life. Because the more you, once again, surrender to the Holy Spirit, the more He empowers you in your walk. It's not just the negative or the consequence. There's the reward for obedience. In the same way, obedience transfers control of your future into God's hands. So when you messed up in the past, you just, you have to surrender. It's called repentance. And as you repent to the Lord, and you go, okay, God, from this point forward, here I am. Guess what God could do? God could take the mess and he can grab hold of your future and he can lead you to help you overcome all the things that you've done as long as you do this and lead you to his good, pleasing, perfect will. Amen? Amen. And so my heart as we find ourselves... In the midst of this very heavy, not fun topic to talk about, what I hope you see is not just, oh my gosh, if I do it, I'm gonna mess my life up, I'm gonna be a weak Christian, I'm gonna do all these bad things. Is to understand, yeah, but when I get it right. Wow. I get to walk and experience the power of the presence of God in incredible ways. God transforms who I am. Oh, when I get it right, it means the creator of the universe, despite what any enemy comes at me, does whatever the world throws at me, how bad it looks that I know that the creator of the universe, the commander of heaven's army is now controlling my future and leading me to his good, pleasing, perfect will because there is always more at stake in the midst of temptation than the moment of temptation. It is about who's controlling your future, the enemy and you or God. It is about whose power are you experiencing, your flesh or your spirit. And when you begin to understand this, I pray when you find yourself face to face with that, it helps you make the right decision and have less regrets and more rewards. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for your grace. But God, I just want to also, I just want to pray over people here. God, I pray in those moments where sin so easily gets us to compromise, so easily gets us to focus on the moment, not the long term, that the next time we face that temptation when the enemy wants to redirect our lives, that we see beyond the moment, beyond the reward to the result, beyond the pleasure to the pain. And God, I just pray that that truth begins to help us make the right decisions and experience your good, pleasing, perfect will and your supernatural power in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.